it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, coming to y'all live on March 29th, 2022. I am joined by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to the people, man. What's going on, everyone? Mm. That baseball hey. coming up. Oh yeah, guys! It, hey guys, it's time. I was I was looking at the calendar actually, and I was like, "Shit, baseball starts next week." And I was like, "How are we going to put together this MLB preview?" And then I was like, "You know what, Ben? Let's go ahead and jump into some MLB preview. We're gonna have that on the back end of the podcast. We got for y'all March Madness on this podcast. A lot of stuff happened in that, and we even have for y'all some NBA. But we're also gonna touch the NFL too. So we're touching everything for y'all, and we're gonna start out in the NFL where there's breaking news today that only in the playoffs i repeat only in the playoffs both teams will have the opportunity to touch the football this was a huge controversy obviously that me and ben talked about back after the bills ended up not getting to see the football for josh allen in overtime then i mean we watched mahones completely falter in the playoffs again or in the next round against the against the Bengals, where he got the ball first which kind of felt like kind of squashed that argument but here we are now ben we're sitting here about what three four months three months later and both teams are going to get to have the ball in overtime. I mean, Ben, do you like the decision, and do you think it's the right decision by the NFL? I think I think it just had to be done from a fan's perspective because um, mm-hmm. I think there's more fans that dislike the rule. I – like, if, if you're a fan or if you're a defensive player in the NFL or former defensive player, you probably don't like it because I think it makes it seem like the, the defensive part of the game is just – is like the mid-range in the NBA. I think Mm -hmm. the rule is kind of telling you like defense is just dying, which I don't really think is the case. But um, if they were going to make the rule, I think it should only be for the playoffs. So I think they got that part right. I'm fine with it. I just think defense is kind of looked at like the mid-range shot in the NBA now. All the rules are changing to score more points, which is fine. It makes it more exciting. Uh, In baseball, people want more home runs, more scoring. So I get that part. But, um, you know, People think it's impossible to get a stop on defense. I don't think that's the case. I think it's pretty hard to stop people from just getting a lot of yards on you, but we see a lot where teams are uh, getting three points instead of six or seven. So um, I was fine with, I think the Titans suggested the rule. If they score the only fine with that, but I think, for the fans' perspective, for the majority of the fans, I think they got it right. And there's the regular season versus the postseason. Could it be both? Sure, but I'm fine with it just being in the in the uh, postseason. The postseason is what matters the most. So I, I think they got it right from for the majority of fans, and I'm fine with it. I don't know, man. I'm I'm on the fence about if I like it or not. I will say though. The fact they did it, like you said, for the postseason, not the regular season, makes a lot more sense. You know, it kind of goes back to what we were saying when that me and you discussed John Harbaugh going for their – yeah, John Harbaugh going for it in in uh, those – on those, um like, two-point conversions to win those games for the Ravens. You know, like, the Ravens had played four overtime games. Like, they really can't afford to play a fifth and sixth. You know, that's like playing an extra basically game and a half because of all the extra quarters whatnot involved in playing those overtimes. Um, I like it because I feel like in the regular season that, you know what I mean? Like you can't, like you don't want to pull, sit there and play a whole game, you know, and keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth in a regular season playoff game. Like that doesn't do, do well for your body. I like it though for the postseason. you know, I've been on the receiving side of that where 
Falcons lose the toss in the Super Bowl. We never see the ball again. Brady ends up winning it. Y'all know all know what happened in that one. Um, I mean, shit, it happened to Mahomes too when that he when Brady threw that touchdown at the end of the game in the AFC Championship. He never got another chance to see the ball. I think in the playoffs when there's a lot more at stake than just players' health that you got to give both teams an opportunity to see the ball. I mean, look, I get it for someone who's upset with it, but at the same time, you don't want to be the team in that situation where that's your team losing at the end of the day in the game. I mean, I, I like I like the rule for the most part. I agree with you, Ben. I mean, it shouldn't be impossible for the defense to get a stop. Both teams, they should have a fair crack at it. I mean, just the way it should be in sports. You know, in the NBA, overtime, and baseball, extra innings, both teams still get a chance to hit. So, you know, why not make it the same thing for, for the NFL? Would the rule have changed this quickly if two of the top faces of the NFL didn't be on the losing side of it recently, and Mahomes and Josh Allen? I say absolutely not. I think it could hundred percent had to do with Mahomes and Josh Allen. I really don't think that would have changed it, but because there was so much outbreak and I mean, how good that game was, everybody wanted to see Josh Allen get the ball one more time. I mean, I feel like that that story is still kind of big, you know, because with all the talking heads and stuff, you know, they're still talking about football with all these moves. And, you know, every I've heard I've heard personally just from working out in the gym at lunch when Stephen A. Smith says, you know, Josh Allen, if he got his chance in overtime, like it's still something that's talked about and debated right now because, you know, the seat is the top dog in the NFL is wide open. I mean, Brady's 45 years old. Yeah, he's back. But I mean, he's clearly I mean, he's don't get me wrong. Brady's still I'd say like number four, five, six best quarterback in the league, but he's no longer the number one guy in the league. So, you know, I feel like that it definitely has a lot to do with all that. I've always told you, I said the Bills that year had in the regular season of the number one ranked defense in the NFL. The mm. Bengals last year probably did not even have close to a top 10 defense. The Bengals got to stop. So it's not impossible. Yeah, that game was still so weird, man. I, like, I've, I've thought back on that game even after everything happened. I still cannot explain what happened. Like, literally, there's numbers that measured the first half Kansas City had until he Mahomes threw that pass to Hill that didn't score a touchdown right before half and the clock ran out on him. They literally had a perfect half before that. Like, literally, they could not have made any done anything better. I was just, that's, that'll go to, I swear, that'll be one of the weirdest games I ever watched my entire life. Um, anyway, now Ben. doesn't have Tyreek Hill anymore. Yeah, and that's a whole other story right there exactly um anyway guys that's enough for football talk on today's podcast i will go ahead and tell you guys though me and ben are gonna be cranking out here soon mock drafts um quarterbacks running backs wide receivers all kinds of nfl draft defensive player breakdowns you know like we always do where it's almost april i mean it's probably yeah this will this will be our last show actually i guess thursday is still considered february or uh, march so i guess we have one more show left this month and it'll be time to start getting to all that stuff but anyway, guys, let's talk about what it's all about this month. It's all about March Madness, man. Ben, we saw watched some absolutely great basketball. I mean, fr- Thursday night, Friday night, pretty much every single game came down to the wire. Um, Saturday, we had a great game to start things off. Sunday, not so good. I mean, Ben, we got the matchup everybody wanted. We got Coach K and the Duke Blue Devils taking on the North, Carol- North Carolina Tar Heels. First of all, Ben, do you think this is the best best Final Four matchup that you can remember? It's the first time Ooh. they've ever met in the Final Four. It's actually the first time they've ever met in the NCAA tournament. Which is so insane to me. So it's only been like 40-something years since they went to the expanded, like 68, 64, 68 teams in March Madness. It used to be like way back in the day, it used to be only one team from each conference. But it's still crazy regardless. Um, This is your three blue bloods and one what people consider a new blood in Villanova. In this, you have... Um, three Hall of Fame coaches, one first-year coach. You have 
the most you have a program in Kansas that is the most wins of all time. I think North Carolina is third all time in wins. So it's just history out. I mean, history everywhere in this March Madness. And you have the two best coaches in the sport. One of them in Coach K is retiring and the other one in Jay Wright, who becomes the, the, the best coach as soon as Coach K says he's retired. Um, you have Jay Wright, who if Villanova can win another title, becomes an, an icon in the sport, mm-hmm. just a living legend. You have Bill Self, who's already in the Hall of Fame, that if he gets to a second title, he gets to the rare company. There's just a lot going on. You have North Carolina and Hubert Davis, who uh, is a first-year head coach. I don't know how many first-year coaches have ever won March Madness. I would imagine it's not happened very often. It's, um, it's actually never happened for, and Hubert Davis has made it the farthest of any first-year coach in the history of March Madness. Crazy stat right there. That was why yeah. I was so against Arizona winning it all, just because I felt like a first-year coach, even though he'd been under Mark Few, probably wasn't going to do it. Yeah, so there's just crazy stats and history all over the place. And this is what like I like about March Madness is – we haven't a ton of buzzer beaters necessarily, but you get all the, the upsets early and teams can go as far as they want. But as soon as it comes down to the final four, I want every team to look at them and say, yeah, they can win a championship and they're like a real team. Like I did not want to see St. Peter's versus Duke. No. Cause the line, the line's a double digit spread in a final four. You don't want that. Yeah. Uh, um, I really wish, and I hope he's, going to be okay, but Justin Moore out of Villanova, I mean, just a brutal time for a torn Achilles. It hurts Villanova because they only play seven guys, so now mm-hmm. they're really down to a six-man rotation or seven with a guy that doesn't typically play. I think people are going to look at it and say the two favorites are the two favorites for a reason, Duke and Kansas. My only thing to that would say don't count out a Jay Wright team ever because they defend like nobody's business. They're insanely efficient on offense. I think they can win one game with a shortened rotation. I don't know if they can win two, but you got to take it one game at a time. Yeah. The, other, the Duke, North Carolina, I think at least everyone I know is saying Duke, this Duke, that Duke might kill them. I, I, I personally don't see it like that. I'm not saying Duke won't win. Um, I think Duke should be favored. They are favored by four and a half. I, I think UNC is just as hot as Duke is right now. I think they're playing just as good as basketball. They've both had to go through tough teams. Duke's had to go through, uh, I know Michigan State had a kind of had a down year, but Michigan State in the second round, Texas Tech, Arkansas, um, and UNC's had to go through Baylor and UCLA. So both have had really tough – and Marquette wasn't bad. Um, they're both juiced coming into this game. They're both shooting lights out from the guard position. Both big, both teams' big men are playing great. And they both beat each other by about 20 in the regular season at each other's place. So I, yeah, I don't think it's all no – I don't sense. think it's all – I don't think it's all Duke in this matchup. Yeah, no, and it's crazy kind of to see the line moves too. Like Duke, we went from favored three at North Carolina to then favored 11 and a half at home to now favored four and a half. So, I mean, it kind of is all over the place. doesn't really make sense. But, yeah, you know, they sh- those should be fun matchups. I thought, you know, you brought this up to me, Ben, when we were kind of – before me and Ben usually start the podcast, we usually talk a little bit just about random shit. And Ben brought up Matt Painter. Should he be on the hot seat for losing to St. Peter's? Look. Ben and I both agreed he shouldn't necessarily be on the hot seat, but kind of pathetic the fact that he lost to St. Peter's team. Like, North Carolina made St. Peter's look like they didn't belong on the same court with them. Like, Kentucky losing to St. Peter's. Like, St. Peter's is chucking up threes. Kentucky missed free throws. Like, they kind of put themselves in that bad position, you know, and they ended up – St. Peter's got lucky and beat them. Okay. 
Murray State losing to St. Peter's. I mean, it is Murray State at the end of the day. You know, Murray State's a good mid-major program, but they don't have the same athletes out on the floor that these teams do. I mean, Purdue is arguably the same. T- I mean, uh, this is the same North Carolina team that was 16 and 13 at one point. This same North Carolina team that lost at home to Pittsburgh, the worst team probably in the ACC. I mean, if you watch them play in the, in the ACC tournament, damn, that was tough to watch. But, I mean, this North Carolina team came together at the end of the season, and they – I mean, they literally looked like that they were like an if an NBA team played a college team. Like, that's how bad that – I mean, that game was – that about that – the only time that game was close was when the ball was first tipped off. After that, I mean, I bet on St. Peter's. I remember I tweeted out at the first time out. I said, well, St. Peter's plus eight and a half was fun while it lasted because I knew it had absolutely no chance. I mean, North Carolina absolutely bullied them. I don't understand how Purdue did that. I mean, I will say Ben texted me during the Purdue game. Jaden Ivey probably played the worst game that he ever played in his entire career. I mean, Ben, do you think that that's a sign that he's not going to be ready for the NBA, or do you think just the bright lights got to him? No, I just think he had an off day. I agree. Um, he had a tremendous season, but, I mean, I, I don't really give Calipari that much of a pass either. I mean, Calipari's National yeah. Player of the Year candidate uh, actually played unbelievable in that game. He had a major double-double, and his guards didn't show up, but his and he doesn't have young guards. Like, I mean, Sevilla Wheeler's been in college for three or four years. Um, I always forget his name. The guy the guy is a good shooter. Uh, they have Davion Mins, who's, who's not a young guy. I think he's a Ty sophomore, Ty. junior. Ty Ty's a freshman. The other guy, number 31. Yeah, I'm not sure what his name is. I can't think of his name, but he's he's a transfer guy. Like, this wasn't a young Calipari team, so I'm not letting him off the loose, but – I, like Calipari is a lifetime contract to Kentucky. I don't think he's earned that. I, I don't, what has Calipari really done to earn like a lifetime contract? I, I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but I, I've always said this. Nobody does less with more than Calipari, but nobody sends more qualified guys to the NBA like Calipari. That's, that's his positive. Um, his NBA players are just unbelievable. So I don't know. I, I think Matt Painter should be in the hot seat. I think Purdue's a, it's a proud basketball program in the Big Ten that can probably do better than Matt Painter. They don't advance in the tournament that very uh, that far, in the, and he's had some good teams over the mm-hmm. years. So that, that's what I would say about him. Yeah, absolutely. Ben, I thought another big storyline that isn't getting enough buzz. So going into those in the last rounds, I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about the Final Four. The West Coast Conference, outside of um, outside of um, the the ATS cover against St. Mary's, which was a or the the West Coast in general, so that's like the Pac-12, the Mountain West, West Coast Conference conferences like that. I mean, they did absolutely terrible. The only teams that out of the all the teams they had in the tournament that made it to the next round was UCLA and Gonzaga. And I mean, UCLA came up short against North Carolina. I mean, Caleb Love did have a huge half, and they did have some injuries. I mean, Hawkes and and Juzang looked pretty good in that game, so I don't know how injured they actually were, but I thought they were going to be way more banged up. I sweat that one out for sure. But, I mean, Gonzaga losing to Arkansas, too. I mean, that was a game that was a back-and-forth dogfight, a fun game to watch. I mean, the entire West Coast bend got a little exposed. I mean, Houston manhandled Arizona. I mean, it was it was a tough showing for the – I can't believe I just forgot Arizona, by the way, when I was naming off those teams. But the West Coast just had a terrible showing. I mean – Ben, the the east the east coast is better at college basketball or now they're better at college football i mean do we just have the superior athletes out on our coast they the west coast a west coast college has not won march madness since arizona did it in like 1997 or 1995 just crazy. I, was, I forget the year but it's insane like ucla yeah they got the most ever i think with 11 they haven't had one in a very long time gonzaga's never done it arizona 
was the last team to do it in 97. USC hasn't really been that close. Like Oregon hasn't, Oregon's had some good college basketball teams that have made it pretty far, but relatively not that close. Like they're, um, they're not bad schools. Pac-12 is actually not a bad basketball conference, yeah. but when it comes to the March Madness, they haven't come close to winning a title uh, since you and I were born. Yeah, well, they did come close um, with those UCLA I mean, Gonzaga, teams Gonzaga's, that lost to, to Florida. And Gonzaga's Gonzaga, been close. Yeah, Gonzaga yeah. lost to North Carolina. Yeah, like in that Final Four, they, they Gonzaga versus uh, – who did Gonzaga play? Was it South Carolina they played in the Final Four? I'm pretty sure it was, oh. the South Carolina team was Sendarius Thornwell, remember? Oh. I'm pretty sure they made the Final Four. It was like South Carolina versus Gonzaga, and then it was North Carolina versus Oregon. And I'll never forget that game because I had North Carolina minus one and a half, and they won by one freaking point. <laughs> I shouldn't I shouldn't say they haven't come close, but they haven't done it. And they've had yeah. – and they've had – Gonzaga's been the number one overall seed multiple times. Yeah, no, I mean – yeah, I Arizona was the – number two overall season yeah and like ucla had teams where they had kevin love aaron aflalo russell westbrook drew holiday all on the same team together i mean they did lose to florida that had noah and horford and brewer but i mean still they're like the they've come up short a lot lately and it's just kind of crazy to see they didn't even get a team in the elite eight when they had had the top two seeds in the entire tournament i mean i felt like that was pretty embarrassing for them in general but I mean, I would say those are some big storylines out of the weekend. We'll get to the draft storylines here in a second because I think there's something that's going to go on with it, it that went on this weekend that will affect the draft. Um, but ultimately, Ben, I feel like that we've had some pretty competitive games, especially in the in the Sweet 16. You know, like I mean, Duke's run to me has been pretty crazy. I mean, they barely crept by Michigan State, they barely crept by Texas Tech, and then they ran Arkansas off the floor in that game. I mean. The SEC definitely underperformed in the tournament, but at the same time, I'm Ben. Do you think Duke is playing their best basketball at the right time of the season? Because I mean, I would argue pretty much yeah. all season long, this team has not been a national championship contender. Yeah, they're playing their best game, um, but it's coming from, I would say, two not unexpected players, but two players. Like, like we'll talk about it in a second. Like you were asking me, should Palo go number one? I don't even think he's their best player. I, I think Jeremy Roach and Mark Williams have outplayed Palo yeah. throughout most of this tournament. And and this is what Duke's formula has been under Krzyzewski to win a title. He needs a, a big man to be the rim protector. Mark Williams is a sensational shot blocker. And he's even got an offensive game now. Then he needs a clutch point guard. He's had like the Tyus Jones of the world. Now he's got Jeremy Roach. Um, he's had like the Nolan Smiths. Um, actually, both Jones brothers. You can put both of them in there. He, he's just had the point guard that can just take over a game and hit a clutch shot. And Jeremy Rich has been that guy, especially in this tournament, but it really started that I noticed in the ACC tournament. So he's got the formula with what he's done in the past. I'm not saying Paolo's bad, but I don't think he dominates as much as like I thought he would have dominated a basketball game. And I don't know if it's because he's surrounded by a lot of talent, which he is, don't get me wrong. But like there are times on the floor where it's like, He's very passive. He, he's not aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I don't know, I don't think he's a great shooter. I, I think he's I think he's a good shooter, but I think it would need to improve in in order to be like a perennial all star player at the yeah. next level. But I don't know. Like, uh, is he that? Is he what John Collins looks like now? And I know that that's a NBA player who's been in the league for for a while versus an eighteen year old kid. Like Paolo seems like that to me and I know that his ceiling is higher than John Collins but like he I I thought he would have like taken over games to me Mark Williams and Roach take over more games than Paolo does 
Yeah, see, to me, I feel like Duke actually just has, like, a really solid team, honestly. You know, like, well, they do. Yeah. like Theo John's a great player to have off the bench. They got some other guys, too, off the bench that have been around Duke for a while. But, like, I mean, even A.J. Griffith and Trevor Keels, you know, both those two guys, too. I mean, that's a, Duke just has a solid team, honestly. Like, I feel four like, lottery picks. Yeah, I feel like they have one of the best – I feel like they have one of the best fives in college basketball, which I think is what makes them so good. Is that starting five is actually pretty damn good, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like all those guys – are in like the top half of college basketball at their position. And then they have the elite players. I do agree with you with Paolo. He's interesting to me. Like he did hit some big He's threes and some big shots. Really yeah, exactly. Let's, let's talk about it a little bit. I mean, then everybody's saying Paolo played his way into being the number one overall pick. I still think that it personally depends on who has the first overall pick on which way they go. Paolo's an interesting player to me. See, when I watch him play, I, I, I don't hate that John Collins comparison. That's actually the first time I've heard that one. I feel like he's feeling higher than Collins. Though. Yeah. See, I feel like he has, like, he kind of reminds me of a Ben Simmons and Draymond Green in a way. Cause when I see him on defense, I see him as a guy who can switch onto it because he's so tall and like so quick laterally and fast and athletic. Like, he can guard anyone one through five on the court. He can also play on the perimeter and in the paint. I don't – I think he can dribble well, but he's, like, shooting, and he's good at, like, driving and doing that spin move and stuff and getting in the lane. He can hit open shots, but like you said, I don't know if his shot's there all the way yet. Also, I don't know if his playmaking is on this. I mean, Ben Ben Simmons and Draymond Green have point guard playmaking. I don't know if he has that necessarily. I, I would give him, like, mid-level playmaking, you know what I mean? Like, just very average playmaking. But that's kind of what the player that he reminds me of more so. Now, would I take him number one overall? Look, I know Chet kind of got embarrassed a little bit in that game against Arkansas. I'll say this, though. I feel like it's tough for Chet, man. Like, he comes from always being the number one option on a team to now he's having to not only share the post with – because, I mean, a lot of younger basketballs moved away from playing with two big men. When Chet played in high school in AAU, he was the only big man on the floor. So, one, he's playing in a system he's unfamiliar with, but, two, he's taking a backseat to Drew Timmy. So, I feel like that that has a lot of effect on him. But, I mean, look, Chet's going to have to fill out. Like, you, I remember me and you were texting back and forth. You are like, I just picture Chet going up against, like, Andre Drummond and giving up, like – 15 rebounds I agree with you on that see I think Chet is like a two is like a one or two year away guy from being really what he's gonna be like I feel like he needs like a year or two to develop in the NBA so like I feel like if you're a team you know like the Pistons or a team like you know like if you, the, pair, if you pair him up with Cade Cunningham Cade Cunningham's gonna get the most out of him exactly roll that yeah, exactly. And like uh, you need a team that's like not looking to make the playoffs next year. Now, a team like the Blazers that's going to po- possibly have one of the top picks, you know, they're going to get Dame Lillard Simons back. They're instantly going to be making a push to win a title again. Picking Chet would not work out for them, you know? Like it, I feel like that that's the thing with Chet. Like he needs time. Like, I mean, I heard people ch- arguing back and forth just on and like reading articles of people saying that like Chet needs to return to college for a year. I mean, yes, I think he's a developmental player, but why the hell would you return to college for a year? when that you're going to go top three in the draft, regardless when you come out, you know, go to the NBA, play against the best and develop there. I just think he's not ready for our win now NBA team. But with all that being said, I'm taking Jabari Smith, number one overall again. I feel like Jabari can do the most. I mean, plus Jabari's got a little nastiness in him too. You know, like I watched him play in a couple games, especially like the Florida game. I remember the Florida game, they're trying to like push him around. And he looked at him and he was like, y'all know who I am. And then he just started popping off on him and brought Auburn all the way back to almost win the game. You know, like I felt like that Auburn's guards didn't want to give Jabari the ball and let him succeed almost like that's kind of how it felt for me. But whenever I like to watch Jabari play, it always felt like that there's a certain point in the game where he was like, I'm the best player on the floor and I'm going to show y'all. 
I, I've pretty much told you all year. I think he's the most skilled player in yeah. college basketball. I agree with you completely on that. I mean, Chet is Chet's definitely different from KD. Like a lot of people are comparing him to KD. KD was a pure spot of shooter. Chet's jump shot is, I mean, those if he's wide open, he'll shoot it. But I mean, he's not shooting those over people contested. Yeah, I, I think you describe. I just think he's a work in progress. Like I think mm-hmm. his basketball IQ and like like the flow of a game, I think that could improve. Um, I just think he's always just been taller and can kind of push people around mm-hmm. even with his skinny frame. Like he's going to get pushed around in the NBA. He's got to figure out how to combat that. It was the same thing. People said that about KD. I mean, on the defensive end, KD figured it out. I mean, also Giannis came in really skinny. Giannis hit the weight room. So I don't know, like maybe Chet has like a, uh, uh, like not, not like an eating disability, but like a weight gaining problem that like just hasn't come out. And like you got to admit, like you got to think with how high schools um, operate nowadays. If you go to a top high school and then Gonzaga, like people have tried to put weight on this kid. There's no way someone hasn't tried. It just hasn't worked, or it has, and he just, his body doesn't show it. So the NBA will figure it out. I mean, yeah, professional doctor. So they'll figure it out. They'll help him and. He'll learn to play in that frame. I mean, if he's smart, you brought it up. Figure out who helped be honest. It certainly worked. Yeah, no, absolutely. And plus, too, you know, there's like studies that show like that's the main reason why they really won't let kids go to the NFL until they play three years. Like at the end of the day, your body's not ready to put on weight. Your body's not matured enough, you know, to like receive all those things until that you turn like, you know, 21, 22 years old. I feel like it's going to be a slow working progress for Chet, you know, to put all that on. That's why I think like his second or third year in the NBA will be the year when he really, really thrives and comes into his own. I look at him as, you know, a raw prospect, kind of like how poor Zingas and stuff was when he first came to the NBA. So, I mean, even I don't want to compare him to Bull Bull because Bull Bull's really done nothing in the NBA. But I mean, almost like he almost is in that category at the same time, you know. So it'll be interesting to see how everything comes along for Chet. And everything. I'm excited. I'm excited, man, to watch the draft process for a lot of these guys. You know, I think there's like six or seven really solid guys. I like Ivy and Murray's game too. I think they've translate well to the NBA. I think there's a decent bit of good players coming out in this draft. Ben, anything else you think we need to hit on March Madness before we go to MLB? No, I'm excited for the Final Four, though. Oh hell yeah, the Final Four is gonna be awesome, guys. Um, I will be at a wedding for one of my best friends from high school during the final four. Y'all can best believe that I'll be watching on my phone or finding the TV or something I can watch on, on Thursday. Me and Ben will be back with our, another ML, half of another, uh, MLB NLAL divisional preview. And also obviously we'll go over the final four games and give y'all a breakdown on that. Not sure if we'll do anything on Monday for, or not for the national championship game. We might just like maybe do like a tweet, a Twitter thread or something like that, but we'll figure something out. But anyway, guys, MLB season's right around the corner, man. It's almost weird to think. I mean, we didn't really have the same like spring training and lead up and everything. It almost feels like it's getting brushed under the rug by this crazy NFL offseason. I'm sure here at the end of the week, everybody's going to start pumping MLB season coming up here soon. But it's a long season, man. It's a 162-game season. Um, I figured, you know, we'd go ahead and start things off in the two divisions that I feel like, well, one of the divisions I at least feel like is pretty easy to pick. We're going to start out our, our talk today in the NL West then we'll do the AL West. Um, next podcast, we'll do the Central Divisions, and then obviously we'll do the, the the East Divisions, and then we'll have our predictions for who wins what awards. Ben, let's start things off with our nemesis, the team that acquired our former first baseman, and that is the L.A. Dodgers. Um, 
First of all, Ben, what do you think about the new additions to this team as they bring in guys like Freddie Freeman? Um, they bring back Kershaw. They bring back Max Scherzer. I'm sure they made some other changes as well. No, Scherzer's, think- uh, Scherzer's on the Mets. Oh, shit. How could I have forgot that? Um, but it, um, wait, dude, what, what was the official ruling that they gave on, on uh, Trevor Bauer? Is he able to play? He is still – he has not pitched in uh, – he's not even been with the team. He's still – on MLB administrative leave. They just keep extending it. He's actually suing someone from the athletic today for false information that was printed. Interesting. He's a mess. He's not going to be ready for the opening day. We're probably the first month of the season. Yeah, he is a mess. But anyway, we pretty much have the same old Dodgers team back here. Obviously, they let the departure of um Corey of Corey Seager go down, but they moved Trey Turner right to replace him at shortstop. Um yeah. Ben, what do you think about this Dodgers team? Is it going to be more of the same? Yeah, I mean, they're loaded. Um, they're pitching. I mean, yeah, you lose Scherzer. It's, they got a lot of talent at pitching. Um, mm-hmm. They will have Dustin May, who's the, the guy with the long red hair, throws about 100 mile per hour sinker. Uh, he'll be back. He had Tommy John last year. He'll be back in the starting rotation. They're loaded. I mean, their offense is literally an all star team itself. Um, they have one of the best infields plus catching uh, core in baseball. Their problem, honestly, like, I've never seen – I mean, I've probably have seen it. I, it's just like off recent memory. I can't think of one. Yeah. I have never seen or, uh, an MVP struggle the way that Cody Ballinger is struggling now. In his mm-hmm. first 19 spring training at-bats, he had 14 strikeouts and he had eight consecutive strikeouts. He is – the Dodgers have three former MVPs in their starting lineup, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger is one of the worst players in their lineup. He has taken the biggest fall I have ever seen in baseball. Um, like, it's, it's getting to a point that if he struggles in the first couple of months of the season, like, I think they're platooning him. Like, he's not going to be an everyday starter, yeah. even though he's a really, really good defender. They will have Max Muncy back. Uh, he Remember, he tore his mm-hmm. UCL in his elbow, which is a huge get back. They're going to be loaded. Um, I, I expect them to win the division, which isn't a shocker. I expect <laughs> the Giants to not, to not be as good. Uh, they kind of shocked everyone with how good they were last year. I think they'll still be good because their pitching is really good, but I don't see them winning 100. And they won like 107 games last year or something like that. I don't know if they get that much, but I do think they're going to be good. I think the Giants are kind of poised to finish in second, maybe third in this division. Probably, I, I think second. Yeah, yeah. I'll, actually, I'm a little lower on that. I mean, it's tough, though, man, to really ju- – actually, we'll get to the Giants here in a minute. But, yeah, I agree with you completely on the Dodgers. I mean, it, when A.J. Pollock's you're projected to be your nine-hole hitter, that's when you know your lineup's just way too stacked. I mean, Chris Taylor bust on the scene last year. Um, Gavin Lux is not even in their starting lineup right now. He could be the guy that replaces Bellinger. Bellinger will go to the DL or whatever they'll do to try to help him get his confidence back. But yeah, man, I feel like ever he just battled too many injuries and then was never the same player anymore after having all those injuries. So definitely is a tough break there, but yeah, you'll get no disagreement from me there. I mean, once again, Dodgers are going to win this division. I mean, they, sh- it'd be embarrassing if they don't, their payroll is just out the ass. So we're both on the same page there with the Dodgers winning this division. Let's go though to the net to the, the next team here. Um, usually we'll come back, Ben, and rank the other teams in the division at the end of the podcast. But they're at the end of like the NL NL West. Obviously, the Dodgers are the one seed. Let's start out here though with the team that finished that technically won the division last year, and that is the San Francisco Giants. 
Um, Giants, not many changes to their lineup. They did bring in Jock Peterson. Um, obviously, Buster Posey, the Hall of Famer, he retired. He's now being replaced by Joey Bart in here. Um, Pitching-wise, say that again? I'm excited about Joey Bart, George Tech boy. Yeah, I'm excited about him, too. I got about 30 of his rookie cards in a shoebox over here, so hopefully he pops off and makes me some money there. Um, they brought back – obviously, they have the young stud, Logan Webb, in their rotation still. Carlos Rodon came over from the White Sox. Um, Anthony DiScalani found his uh, touch last year. They also have Alex Wood, Alex Cobb, and Matt Boyd in that rotation. Matt Boyd coming over from Detroit. Ben, what do you think about these guys? And they also have a really good bullpen. So pitching is absolutely incredible in this. Um, they, they're going to be good. Uh, I mean, they're going to be really good because their pitching drives them. They, they're mm. one of those teams, like, they're very analytically driven. Um, it didn't work for Gabe Kapler in Philadelphia, but it clearly worked last year. I think last year was his first year in San Francisco, yeah. and they won 107 games. So – I think they're just kind of a division that they found who they are and they played their style and it, it just works for them. They're going to, they're going to play good defense. They're going to pitch unbelievable and they could hit. I just don't know if they can totally keep up with the Dodgers for two seasons in a row, but this team's going to be really good and have a really good chance uh, to make the playoffs and even do damage in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you completely, Ben. I mean, like you said, this team is like they're like the ultimate fundamental team. Like they're not like they're not gonna do anything flashy, but like you said, they're gonna play great defense. Their pitching's gonna be amazing. I mean, that's really what this team I mean, this team's rotation rotation's sick. P- pitchers top to bottom, and they always seem to pick up pitchers from the scrap heap and them have their best seasons. Like I guarantee you, Alex Cobb will find his own once again. If he struggled a little bit in uh where'd he go? Tampa Bay after he was in Baltimore. Yeah, he struggled a little bit. I mean, Matt Boyd was pretty damn good in Detroit, and it's it's tough to be good in a city like Detroit when you have such a bad team around you for so long. Although I think the Tigers will be better this year, but I bet you Boyd will come out and probably have his best season of his career. I think the Giants will have a pretty solid team and they'll be in contention for a wild card spot. Next team we'll get to here in the division is San Diego Padres, who look, there's a lot of buzz around this Padres team, man. The Padres. They ended up getting from the Yankees basically for nothing because he was fighting with other players in the locker room. Luke Voigt, who now comes in this team. Um, unfortunately, their superstar, Fernando Tatis, will probably miss about three months or so on the season. Um, they got a lot of good young guys, a lot of veterans on this team as well. Pitching-wise, they're going to get Mike Clevenger back in the mix. They also still have Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, and Joe Musgrove, so they have an absolutely loaded rotation there. Ben, what are you expecting from the, from the uh, Padres? They're going to be good. Um, they're going to be in contention. I've just, I mean, for second, possibly even winning this division. Listen, they can pitch, they can hit, but they're going to lose Tatis, like you said, for about three months mm-hmm. um, because he chose to drive a motorcycle. So um, that's a big loss. Now he's an absolutely horrible defender at shortstop, one of the worst defending shortstops <laughs> in the league, but he makes up for it on offense. And uh, in, on the base path. So, listen, that's a big loss. He's a top 10 baseball player in the league. You don't just replace guys like that very easily. They got to find a way to survive and advance without him. Um, they're still good. I mean, they, they still have a really good infield, even without Tatis. They're just not a great infield. They just got to get production from, from their big bats. Like, Eric Hosmer is kind of – like that contract, it might be the worst one in baseball, to be honest with you. It, he's really deteriorated. 
since signing in San Diego. Uh, but this team should be really good still. Yeah, I think adding Voight in there only makes their lineup better. I mean, when you look at it, they really lost nobody from the year before. Um, I like their lineup, honestly, top to bottom. I think Trent Grisham could have a huge breakout season this year. I mean, he was a highly touted prospect. Feel like it's his time, man. He needs to put up for him and put on and show him that he's that he's kind of worth what they traded for him. That he's going to be that guy for him ultimately. You're right about Tatis. I mean, getting him back in the lineup though will be huge. It'll be a nice shot on the arm. Look, I think there's one difference maker for this team this year, Ben. That is the fact that they now have a new manager and they have Bob Melvin in there. I feel like Bob Melvin did a lot with so little in Oakland, and I think he doesn't get the praise he deserves as being one of the better managers in baseball. I think Melvin's going to come in here and take that same style and approach to this team, and I think he's really going to turn things around and get this team playing better day-to-day. Because, I mean, this team played so hot out the gates to start the season off, and they just completely fell off. I also think getting a stud arm like Clevenger in there as well is going to be a huge get for him. I like the Padres a lot this season. Look, I think they're – I'll, I'll tell you all how – what I think they're going to do here in a little bit, but I think this is the time, man. I mean, they put so much time and money in this team. It's got to be, it's got to be them this year, man. Yeah, it's got a lot of money for sure. It's just a tough division. No, absolutely. I mean, it really is top two heavy. Um, the bottom teams in this division, I don't really think are anything special. Let's talk about the bottom teams in this in this division. Let's talk about the Colorado Rockies. First of all, Ben. Can you explain to me any reason why that they shelled out that kind of money to Chris Bryant? Um, from their point of view, no. I, I've been struggling to find a reason why he took it. Yeah, I mean, I could tell you why he took it. Um, you know, shortened season, you get early vacation days. Colorado's a nice <laughs> place to live during the baseball season, during the summer, and it's a lot of money. Those are three great reasons for Chris Bryant to do it. No, I mean, and what makes no sense is they had they had Nolan Arenado and they traded Nolan Arenado and gave the Cardinals fifteen million dollars to get Nolan Arenado. Yeah. And then they two years later they turn around and sign a worse third baseman, even though Chris Bryant also plays the outfield. You're getting a worse player for about the same contract Nolan Arenado went for, and you gave the Cardinals fifty million. I don't understand it. Yeah, man, I'm with you on that. I'm kind of scratching my head on this Rockies team as well. Like they signed Chris Bryant. I looked at their lineup for about 15 minutes. I looked at their prospects. I know they do have, um, I believe you pronounce his name, Elias Montero coming up the MLB. He plays first base and third base. He's supposed to be a stud prospect, but I mean, I just just don't get it, man. Like looking down their prospects, like other than him, they really don't have, have anything. Like I don't understand why they gave him that. I mean, like you said, I can't blame Chris Bryant or not. Maybe Chris Bryant um is a big uh fan of 420 and that's why he moved out to colorado and took the big contract that's about the only reason i can think of that he moved out there to go play baseball but I mean, he's yeah. from vegas so he's familiar with the west coast yeah no he definitely is like i i, I can't believe he didn't try to find a reason to resign in san francisco i assume maybe this was the only team that offered him the big money that's about the only thing i can think of I mean, I like Randall Grinchick, who they brought in. Um, I do. I don't hate their pitching rotation, honestly. I like Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland. I mean, maybe he can tap right in. Now. Yeah, he's he's supposed to be good. I mean, maybe he can tap into what he's supposed to be. Other than that, though, I don't see much to like on this team. This team's going to be sitting in the chilling in the basement of the division most of the year. They do have great home field advantage, so you know the ball fly out in Coors, but I don't. Maybe see Brandon. Like maybe Brandon Gold gets the call up. Hey, maybe Brandon Gold does get the call up. That'd be awesome to see, man. I've, I I could definitely see that happening this year. Um, 
Last team in the, here in the division, I don't think we need to waste much time on them, is the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, I mean, Ben, is this team finishing in the bottom of the division this year? This should be bad again. They did just re-sign Cattell Marte to a uh, extension. He's a stud second baseman. Um, did they bring in anyone? Did I'm uh, Grinky? Did he go back there? Yeah, they still have. No, Grinky went to the Royals, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Grinky did go to the Royals, but they have Bumgarner back. They have Merrick Kelly, really? Luke Weaver, Zach Davies, and Zach Gallon. Gallon's not bad. Um, I like Gallon. No, I mean this team doesn't have much. Gattel Marte will probably be their all-star because um, he's a stud. But I mean, mm-hmm. they just they don't have much. Yeah, they don't have much. I am excited to see, though, Dalton Varsho. He plays outfield and catcher. He's kind of a highly touted prospect. Maybe see what he can do in the MLB. It'll be fun to see what he can do. At least Seth Beer as well, a guy who went to Lambert High School right down the street from me and Ben. Saw him hit some absolute Played bombs against, against Johns Creek. Yeah, Ben definitely had his runs against Seth. Seth Beer, he is going to, he's supposed to be on the opening day roster as a starter, so... I'm interested to see what the young guys can do. This team actually has a decent farm system they built up through all the trades and through this, the prospects they have and stuff. So, you know, Arizona's Arizona's definitely a couple years away, but you know, it, it'll be another learning curve for them as I believe they did have the worst record in all of baseball last year. So, Ben, now that we've gone through every team this division, rank them for me one through five. I'm gonna go Dodgers. Giants, Padres, Rockies, Diamondbacks. Okay. Um, do you think that any of those teams besides the Dodgers are in one of the or a wild card? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Giants and Padres could both make the playoffs. I wouldn't be shocked if either of them. Um, it's just like, like honestly, Tatis got injured a lot last season, so mm-hmm. there's no guarantee that he comes back from three months and it doesn't get hurt pretty shortly after. Um, they got to stay healthy because they're a team that has a lot of star power, but like their pitching fell apart last year. Like they didn't get to use Clevenger after trading for him. Um, and they just got worse. Like they absolutely collapsed last year. If I had to trust two teams outside of the Dodgers, I'm trusting the giants over the Padres. They're more experienced. Their manager has been to the playoffs. Um, pitching can elevate them over anyone's lineup i really do yeah you know i don't hate that ben i'm i'm same order as you except i flip-flopped the padres with the giants i think bob melvin gets them over the over the hump here and i also think that you know this lineup's young it's stacked i feel like it's put up or shut up time for the, what that they've done down in San Diego. all the money they spent i'm gonna say the padres make it as a wild card i haven't decided yet if i'm gonna take the giants or not as a wild card i'll give you all my final verdict on that when we pick our playoff teams and world series and everything on our final mlb preview which will be next week but um yeah i, I agree with you though man i mean the giants pitching is damn good and they're gonna play everything fundamental you know i mean thing is these teams get to beat up on the bottom of the division so you can go ahead and pencil them in for about 80 wins each and then at that point it just depends on how good that they actually play so i mean there's a, there's a world where both these teams can easily make the playoffs so i agree with you on that i just feel like the padres went out and spent so much money and they've just done so much adding voice should be icing on the cake for them at this point um let's move over now to the to the al west i actually have some spicy hot takes for y'all in the al west it's the division with the most upside Oh, yeah. Let's start things out, though, with the current division winners, and that is the Houston Astros. 
Ben, we won't talk about yet if we think they three-peat or not. What do you think about this Houston team? Obviously, they have the departure of Carlos Correa this offseason. Do you think yeah. this team can do you think this team's gonna miss a beat? Well, it's still got a lot of talent everywhere else. Um, mm-hmm. and their pitching was really young last year, including their bullpen. So I think they got a, a great experience making the World Series and, and making it through the gauntlet that the AL actually is. So they get a lot of experience coming back in terms of pitching, which will help. Their lineup is still great. Their outfield is absolutely tremendous. Um, Kyle Tucker is just a phenomenal baseball player in the yeah. outfield. That's young. Michael Brantley, lock him in for hitting over 300 every single year. And, and uh, then in the infield, I mean, they still have um, Jose Altuve. They still have Bregman. They still have uh, Maldonado, who's a phenomenal catcher. Then they still have Guriel at, at first base slash DH. And then they have uh, the big man, um, Jordan. Jordan Alvarez, who first base. So, I mean, listen, this team's going to hit well. I, I think, I mean, yeah, Correa's, losing Correa is huge. I mean, he, I think their shortstop is like a big-time prospect they have. It, it ain't Carlos Correa. It's not a guy that's going to hit 279, close to 30 home runs. He's just not going to give it to you. There's another team in their division that got a lot better. Um, so, I think they'll miss a beat a little bit, but I still think they have a pretty good chance to win this division. I just don't think it's as much of a lock as we've kind of seen in years past. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, man. I mean, I think this lineup's still pretty stacked up. Like, when I looked at him, I was like, damn, that's top four. Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Al, um, Alvarez. I mean, damn, even the fact that, that Kyle Tucker, your six hitter, is crazy. I mean, this team didn't go to the World Series for no reason. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, man, they got that young pitching. Justin Verlander is going to be back, so we'll see what yeah. Justin what Verlander still has left. Happy to have him back. Yeah, I mean, he's old as shit at this point, but – We'll see what that he ends up doing. But, yeah, no, I still like this Astros team. I still think this is a playoff-worthy team. I'll let you all know, though, what I think is going to happen in this division. If you all can't see, but I'm raising my eyebrows right now. Next team up on here, I mean, I don't know if they'll necessarily finish in the two spot, but we'll go ahead and, and handle the Los Angeles Angels here. Look, the Angels guys, they have two of the best players in all of baseball. You could just argue these two guys are top five players in baseball. That's how stacked they are. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I have Jared Walsh, another Georgia boy who's a young emerging star. Anthony Rendon will be back from injury. You got rookies like Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele in the lineup as well, and David Fletcher, who came on strong last year. Did Fletcher make the all-star team last year? I don't think he did. If he did, it, it was as a reserve. I, I don't think he did, though. He's just he's a, he's a really good contact guy. Does a, a good base runner, yeah. good fielder, uh, good contact guy. He's not going to provide much power. I mean, yeah. pretty short. Yeah, no, I know he hit over three. I know he's hitting over 300 last year. Pitching-wise, they add Noah Syndergaard. He's like, a, ba- he's like a batting t- so he's that- like a batting title guy. Like he'll, compete for, he'll compete for the batting title. Yeah, which is a great guy to have when you have Otani and Trout, a nice guy for them to to, to uh, walk around the bases with them as they hit home runs. Um, yeah, you know, they, their big ad, Ben, was Noah Syndergaard. I mean, we've are, I'm pretty sure we said it the last two years on the MLB preview – where are they going to find the pitching at? Ben, do they have the pitching this year to take this team to the next level? I don't even know if you can consider Noah Syndergaard as a big ad. He just doesn't pitch. He's The guy is just always hurt. Um, I like watching him pitch. He's got electric stuff. It's just, can he stay healthy? I don't know. That question, I mean, that question has not been answered. I don't know. I it's crazy that they can – I mean, it's just crazy. Like, in, in baseball, like, this is the way it is. Like, they're – I mean, they have three of the better players at their at their position. Um, 
whether you want to count Otani as a pitcher or an or an outfielder or a DH, whatever, he's one of the best at all of them. Trout in, in the outfield and then Rendon at third. And I don't know. They got a great manager too. He's probably one of the better managers in baseball. And Joe Madden. They just I still don't think they're a playoff team because injuries always find a way on this team. I think Rendon's kind of unreliable um, in terms of injury bug this year. Trout is getting to the point where he's unreliable. Syndergaard's unreliable. You never know with Otani. Listen, they're going to ask him to pitch a lot of innings and hit every day. Um, at some point, it's going to, you would think it's going to catch up to him unless mm-hmm. he is the next freaking sport that we've seen, like, a, like you know, LeBron, who just a guy that's body can just handle a lot of stress. Um, we'll see. If they can stay healthy, they're a dangerous team, but I don't know if they're playoff good even when they're fully healthy. They're pitching at bullpens, not great. Yeah, I agree with everything you said right there, Ben. I mean, they got to keep those guys healthy. Those guys can't really stay on the field. Outside of those things, I really think Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele, um, I've been hearing a lot about them over the years. Everyone's been saying, oh, just wait for those two guys to get the MLB. I mean, Joe Adele's been up twice now. I really haven't seen him do a damn thing so far. I want to see those two guys make a name for themselves in the MLB and be those guys to help put them over the top. Because, I mean, those guys play like 70% of what they're supposed to be to go along with what you already have with Trout, Otani, and Rendon. Y'all should have a damn good team this year. So, Well, they're going to have a good offense. If, mm-hmm. if those guys can pan out, it's just – can they stop people from scoring on them? Exactly. That's going to be pretty tough to do with the pitching that they have right now. Uh, did, did they bring in – I want to say they brought in, like, Jose Quintana as well. They had him last year, I know. I don't know if they have him again this year. I know. I remember they had him last year, oh, he's and on, he got absolutely I, shelled on, in both outings. He's on the Pirates, I think, now. Never mind. He was on them last year. Yeah, talk about falling off hard. He went from one of the aces to nobody even wanting him on their team anymore. Yeah. Um, next up, let's talk about the Seattle Mariners. This is a team that America's won, team. Yeah, America's team. This team won last year over 90 games and nearly made the playoffs. They barely missed making the wild card. It was very competitive. This team went out, guys, and that wasn't good enough for them. They spent big money in free agency. They bring in Adam Frazier, Morgan Jesse Winker, and Eugenio Suarez via trade. Um, not to mention they they've got bring back Ty France, JP Crawford, Abraham Toro. Um, Mitch Haniger and Jared Kalinick, who's a very young, promising rookie. On top of that, pitching-wise, they went out and spent the big bucks. They brought in Robbie Ray. They already have Marco Gonzalez, Chris Flexen, Logan Gilbert, the young stud, who I think is one of the future aces of the MLB, is going to be their four guy in their rotation this year. That's how stacked yeah. they are. Start us off on this team, man. Look, Ben knows via text. I think the Mariners are loaded, guys. Just think about this. I named all those guys, and I didn't even name Kyle Lewis or Julio Rodriguez. Kyle Lewis won Rookie of the Year and then was hurt all last year. He's coming back at some point during the season this year, and according to multiple people within the organization, him coming back is going to be icing on the cake, according to them. On top of that, Julio Rodriguez is arguably the number one prospect, if not top three prospects right now in the minor leagues. He's going to hit the MLB at some point this season. And Evan White, who's another highly touted first baseman prospect, was up last year. He got hurt. He's supposed to be back as well at some point in time. Seattle's absolutely stacked, in my opinion, with not only young guys, but old guys, too. I think this team is poised to have a big season. Brought in Jesse Winker, which is going to be big. He had a career year out in Cincinnati. Um I thought they got someone else from the Reds, but I can't remember who. But uh, Suarez as well. Or Suarez, yeah. I mean, big strikeout guy, but he can hit for a lot of power. Um, see if they can kind of correct his swing to get the average up a little bit and on-base percentage up a little bit, but we'll see. Jesse Winker is a big addition. 
I agree with everything you said. I, it's almost like they have too many players for so mm. little positions. Uh, they're going to be great. They're relatively young still, but I think they're ready to go. I'm excited to what this team could do. They're very much contender to win this division. Um, and I, they're ready for it. I mean, they, they really sprung on late in last season. I, they're ready to go now. Yeah, I really want to see Kalinic or or um, Lewis have a breakout season. I mean, Lewis kind of had one already, but I want to see him do it again. I think those two guys could be young, emerging, like multi-time all-stars in the MLB. I want to see one of those guys have a huge breakout season. But, yeah, this team is absolutely loaded, guys. Um, next team will go in the division. I even, I even think, like, I, I wouldn't uh-huh. be surprised if at some point in the year, like, like Craig Kimbrell is going to be a big name to watch because Kimbrell is in a loaded White Sox bullpen. They already have a shutdown closer in Liam Hendricks. Mm-hmm. If the Mariners are in this, but they're kind of struggling late in the games, I, I'm struggling on their closer right now off memory, but I think they have a pretty good closer. But Kimbrell's got a lot of experience and he's kind of found his groove back. He's a guy that could add to a contender like this and just put them over the top of their bullpen. I think Kimbrell, I think, will get moved at some point just because the White Sox don't necessarily need him. Yeah, no, that is a that's a good point as well there, Ben. I didn't even realize he was on the White Sox now. Um, let's keep keep chugging along in the division here. Um, I know y'all are thinking there's a team we're forgetting. We'll get to them last because they have my how the mighty have fallen. But let's talk about the Texas Rangers here. It's wow. another confusing team to me. Spent here, the man. most money in the yeah, offseason. They, they spent huge money here. You bring in Marcus Simeon, you bring in Corey Seager. Um, you bring back a lot of, a lot of the same lineup, pretty much other than that from last year, Adoles Garcia is a guy who kind of broke onto the scene last year, Nate Lowe as well. Pitching wise, they brought in John Gray from, from the, uh, Rockies. And then other than that, Ben, they got a lot of young studs on this roster and they've got a lot in the farm system too. A lot in the yeah. farm system. I mean, Ben, what do you think about the Rangers here? Are they the sleeper to be a threat in this division? No, I don't think so. I think they're still too young in the pitching. Um, I don't really think John Gray's much of an ace no. uh, for a team. So I think they still need help in the pitching and bullpen department. But their offense is going to be good. And the good news for Rangers fans is they signed Corey Seager and Simeon to long-term deals. So if you're mm-hmm. not good in the first couple of years you have them, these guys are, are not going anywhere. Simeon, I mean, he should be able to hit for a while. He, he's he been a good baseball player for a long time. The past couple of years he's been great. Corey Seager, since he's been called up, has been phenomenal. He's mm-hmm. honestly one of the most underrated Dodgers guys on the team. It, not underrated, just like not talked about enough, um, even though he's won an, an MVP in the postseason. Yeah. So I, I think they're just a couple years away. I think they're heading in the right direction. They got a lot of young pieces that are that are kind of moving. I think it'll take at least a year or two to kind of click everything together, get the pitching the way they wanted to. But um, listen, they got a brand new ballpark. Their owner's willing to spend money. I think that's a good sign for baseball fans uh, living in, in Texas and in Arlington. So I think the future could be really bright, um, but just not yet. But they spent the most money in baseball, and it wasn't even close. Yeah, no, good good point you point out there, Ben. I mean, yeah, I think the future's bright, bright here. Jack Leiter will be in the MLB probably next year. Josh Jung, third baseman, who's a highly touted prospect, will be up at some point this year. They'll probably bring him up. I, what's what's the rule, Ben, again, that we did the same thing with Acuna and Wander Franco? You wait, like, what is it, like a month before you bring him up? Well, so it, I think that was one of the, the arguments that the players were – advocating for when they're in the lockout i have to brush up on it the lockout just kind of confused everything what they changed and what everything stayed the same because not everything changed they basically 
agreed to end the lockout by fixing a couple things, but left a lot on the table um, for the next couple of years. So I'd have to look back up at the service time, but essentially each player on a rookie deal has a certain amount of service time you have to go through uh, in the minor leagues in order for the team to get one year extra of control. And the, the biggest the biggest thing would happen was Chris Bryant. When Chris Bryant was um, with the Cubs, everyone was like, bring this guy up. He's hitting like 400 in AAA. He's clearly ready to go. Um, he could help our MLB team. The Cubs were like, nope, we want him for the extra year. And Chris Bryant was getting pissed. Obviously, his agent was Scott Boris. He's the biggest pain in the ass in sports as an yep. agent. But the Cubs did it their way. And I don't I don't know if they ever pissed off Chris Bryant, but he left the Cubs and I mean, he won a world series. So I'm sure yeah. he's not pissed, but that was like a prime example. And it's happened to other guys um, in, in, you know, in the, in after Chris Bryant. So, but that was just the first example of when it kind of came into the light. I'd have to brush up on it. Um, you, if people want to look it up, it's, it's called MLB service time. If you want to look up the rules for it. So I actually don't know as of right now, because it might've been changed. For some reason, I don't think it was fixed yet. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. It's kind of weird with the MLB lockout. Like, it happened in the middle of, like, of like all this stuff going on with college basketball and whatnot. And just, like, I don't know. It was, it was just a crazy time of the year for it all to go down. And it just got confused with everything with the NFL and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, the Rangers are absolutely stacked. They got a lot of good prospects and whatnot. So, I feel like that this year is just a year too soon. I feel like they more so just went ahead and started building this team for next year. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see them continue you know, to stack players up and probably spend even more money in free agency. They're going to be able to hit. Mm-hmm. No, they definitely hit. will. They definitely. Hey, that might be a good team to bet the overs in their games. They're not going to be able to pitch when the Angels. Hey, when the Angels and Rangers play each other, I might just have to auto bet the over because there's going to be a lot of runs scored in those games as long as Otani's not pitching. Um, final team in this division. My oh my, how the mighty have fallen is the Oakland Athletics. So the A's guys were in the playoffs there a couple years in a row. Finally, this team, you know, they did what the A's do best. If you've seen Moneyball is they went ahead and traded Matt Olson. They traded Matt Chapman. They had let Marcus Simeon go the year before, which was the beginning of all this happening. Now they their lineup is decimated as they have Tony Kemp, Elvis Andrus, Sean Murphy. I mean, Jed Lowry, Eric Thames is here, Christian Pache from the Braves. Pitching-wise, they still do have Frankie Montas, Sean Manaya, Cole Irvin. So those are some decent arms they have there. They even traded Chris Bassett away. Um, They're going to be moved. Yeah, they still have A.J. Puck. So, I mean, like, this team is just like – this is just a shell of the old team. I mean, this team looks pretty bad. Do they not, Ben? Are they going to be in the floor of the division? Yeah, they'll probably be last – uh, to bottom of last in the division for sure. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Sean and I got moved or uh, or maybe Frankie Montas. It's just what they do. Uh, it's who they are. They they try to get the max out of the guys until they become big free agents, and then they just don't spend the money. They got a couple. They got some uh, good prospects from the Braves in that trade. Mm-hmm. They, it wasn't a fleece. I don't think by any team the Braves got what they were looking for and were able to extend Matt Olson right away, and 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 they got some good prospects. So. Um, we'll see what Christian Pache can do. Uh, he did not show much in, in no. the Atlanta Braves. Um, he's really, really fast in the outfield. He really, should be a really good defender for them, but I got to see him hit. But that's pretty much all I'll talk about in Oakland. I mean, their stadium's a joke. They tried to get a new stadium. Um, it's They're even struggling on that. The, it was, like, approved, and now it's 
denied for a proposal change. I mean, they're, it's just a mess in Oakland. Yeah. Um, Ben, to round off the A's real quick. And the one other thing I want to mention is a friend of mine, Sky Bolt. Hopefully I get to see him get a lot of playing time this year on a struggling team, and hopefully he can make his way to being an everyday MLB starter. Let's – uh, yeah, uh, oh, the, the last thing I want to say too about Oakland, this could be the team, man, that they need to move to Las Vegas. I've been saying Las Vegas needs a team for every single sport. Give them the Pelicans. I think, I think, they're, building, the I think they're building a stadium in Oakland, unfortunately. Damn. I would have loved to see them move to Vegas. Um, anyway, Ben, let's let's go ahead and round out the division here. I'll go first with this division. Here's my hot take. Let's revisit the team that I bragged on so heavily here. I got the Seattle Mariners, man. Look, I want just as much as every big baseball fan does to have the to have the Angels make the playoffs. It is not happening. I still don't get it, man. Like, why the hell don't they go out and spend the big bucks on pitching? It makes absolutely zero sense to me. Like, if I were them, I would have told Max Scherzer or been like, look, you can come here and pitch with the with Otani and Trout. We'll give you – I would have offered him the bank. It didn't happen. I don't believe in that team. I think that, I think that the Astros will still be good. I think it's going to be a tight division race. I think it's a lock by any means, but let's just put it this way. I think Seattle is a damn good team. I don't see any way they're not in the playoffs this year. I think that the AL Central is pretty weak. I think that the AL East is going to beat up on each other. There'll be some injuries. I think everything looks right, man. Seattle Mariners are about to take this division over. I mean, just the fact that J-Rod and Kyle Lewis are going to be joining this team at some point in time during the season is just absolutely insane. Yeah, I'm going Seattle, Houston, uh, Angels, Texas, Rangers, and Oakland Athletics is my order. Yeah, I'm the exact same order as you. Yeah. Um, okay, guys. Last to- last topic we got here before we get out of here. Um, we're actually gonna, like I said, guys, we're touching them all today. We're gonna go to the NBA here for the last topic. This is a huge topic, guys. This is one I've been wanting to talk about here for a while. So I don't know if you guys saw the video or not. Thank God for Twitter. So this is even more crazier wrench throwing it. First of all, the heat. They have, they've had a tough run. Ever since February, the only teams that they've beaten with, with winning records in the NBA was the 76ers in Miami when they sat both Jimmy Butler and they also sat – or sorry, they, they sat um, Joel Embiid and James Harden in that game. And then they also beat one of their team from the West with a record over 500 since February. Think about that, guys, since February. I think this has been something that's been coming for a long, long time. On top of that, on I believe it was Tuesday last week or Wednesday last week, the Heat. So it was Wednesday last week. On Monday, they lost in Philadelphia to the 76ers, sitting both these guys, which is pretty embarrassing. Then they come back home. They're beating the Warriors, who sat their entire starting five. And then they blew that and went down double digits. Then there's a huge animated argument going on on the bench. It looks like Jimmy Butler's cussing out Eric Spolstra. And Eric Spolster, look, he's the guy who almost got ran out of town by LeBron. It looks like Eric Spolster finally has a backbone. And he bucked up at him and basically said, you want to fight me, bro? And then Udonis Haslund stepped in, started pointing, saying, yo, let's take it out back. Like, he was about to take it out back and whoop Butler's it's ass. OG. Honestly, I think, yeah, I would not mess with Haslund if I'm Butler. Haslund's got about 20 pounds and five inches on him. And then next thing you know, Kyle Lowry's the best part of the whole thing was Kyle Lowry trying to call a timeout after they had already taken a timeout. And Spolster's on the court yelling at Jimmy Butler. They proceed to lose. Then they get absolutely smacked again the fall or a couple nights later by Brooklyn. And they blew a 10 point lead to the Knicks at home and lost to the terrible Knicks as well. Ben, 
I think this team has completely fallen apart, and I think that it's been something that we haven't seen. Jimmy Butler shooting nine, shot 9% this month from the three-point line, which is absolutely abysmal. On top of that, with all that going on, when they have Hero, Bam, and Butler, their three best players on the floor together, they have the worst offensive rating in the NBA per any three players on one team. I think this Heat team has completely fallen apart. They lost the one seed, the Celtics, two nights ago as well. I just think that this team has fallen apart. They're a team I didn't believe in all season long. And look, I think it comes down to Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is an ass. He thinks he's somebody that he's not. He thinks he's like LeBron or something when it comes to winning. I just think that things aren't working in Miami and it's time to break things up. What do you think? I think they're in trouble. I think they brought in a couple of leadership guys like Kyle Lowry and it's not helping. So um, they got to figure it out. They got to figure it out quickly. I don't know if they can do it because uh, they haven't shown they can do it. I'm, I, I agree with you. I think they're in trouble. Yeah. And, you know, I just like, I feel like that us seeing that what happened on the court was, I feel like that that was really like th the first time that it was ever publicized. And the even crazier part about it is we only saw his videos because of Twitter. The Miami Heats, um, they play they play on Bally Sports, um, like South or whatever it is from Miami. They chose not to air it because that they didn't want a negative light to be shined upon the team. That tells me that there's a lot of turmoil going on inside that we don't know about. And I think after the season's over, we're going to find out a lot. Jimmy Butler's going to end up wanting out. And look, this is the same guy that forced his way out when he was in Chicago. He forced his way out in Minnesota. He forced his way out when he was in Philadelphia. Jimmy Butler is just an ass. He thinks he might be all oh, heat culture. Jimmy Butler, this Jimmy Butler thinks he's some tough guy. He thinks he's some big culture guy. He's not what he, th Jimmy Butler thinks he's LeBron. He's not LeBron. Yeah, they're, they're definitely in trouble. Yeah. Anyway, Ben, if the heat are definitely in trouble, they've blown the one seed. I would not be shocked to see them get bounced quick and easily in the playoffs. They finally did bounce back with a win over the Sacramento Kings without their two best players last night. I don't know if I really consider that much of saying that this bad streaks over or anything. Ben, anything else from you, man, before we get out of here? Celtics lost Robert Williams for a long period of time. Um, seems like this team loses a really good player every single year when they're when they're catching their stride. I, I feel for that. The, the number one defense, Robert Williams, is is uh, honestly, I think he's number one in defensive efficiency um, for any big man. There, there's some stat where he's number one, which is crazy. Probably one of the leaders in defensive player of the year. It's a big loss for them. Um, they can bounce back. I mean, they, it, it just depends. Like, I think they can win the first round of the playoffs um, against an inferior team, maybe like our Hawks. But <laughs> um, in terms of, like, winning it all, I, I thought they were a team that could easily go to the Eastern Conference Finals and compete with the 76ers and Buck. I, I really did with the way that they play defense and they got the scoring from the two-headed monster and Tatum Brown, who just can't be stopped. Um it makes it a lot difficult now because Robert Williams was the anchor of a great defense. Yeah, um, I agree with you, man. I mean, I think losing Robert Williams is big. At the same time, they do have Horford and Broad and Tice. And I think that Horford and Tice, I mean, they're not Robert Williams, but they can definitely help. Tice is a pretty good defender. Yeah, he is a good defender. I mean, Robert Williams, though, he's so good with, like, out the ball in his hand. Like, he just dunks it. He just does all that stuff. You know, so like I they're hurting like, in athleticism. Horford mm -hmm. and Tice are oof. No, exactly. Like, that's really what they need is guys like that in the lineup, which, I mean, that just hurts their overall just um, – their overall, like, chemistry and everything. And this team had been surging. But 
I think they'll still get through the, the regular season fine. I still think that they'll get into the playoffs. Everything should be fine for them. As long as they don't have to play Brooklyn in the first round, I think they should be good to go. But it definitely is tough. I mean, it's going to be tough for him to be able you know, to find his – to find his legs again in the playoffs. That's not exactly what the point of the season you want to get to, you know, where you're trying to come back from an injury. Like, I feel like that Ben Simmons hasn't played in the regular season, you know, like that's not exactly where you're going to try your footing, buddy, in the playoffs. Nope. And then playoff P, Paul George is returning tonight. We'll see if how it helps the Clippers or if it doesn't help the Clippers. He's been out for a long time. Um. Yeah, no, I uh, – I th- I feel like that for the Cl- the Clippers as well. If Kawhi can come back, they can make some noise. So there's rumors that he's going to come back. So you know we'll end up seeing what happens with Kawhi. It's going to be interesting, man. Believe in playoff P. I believe in playoff P. I like Paul George. I think he's. I feel like that he gets a bad rap. I think he's a little underrated. <laughs> he gets a bad rap, but that game was really bad where he was like two for thirteen and then hit the side of the backboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is tough to get that one out of the back of your mind. Yeah, but that's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got as well. Once again, guys, we appreciate everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Um, Friday, Thursday, we'll be back once again with um, a little picks pod again as we'll do March Madness. We'll also give you all another MLB season preview, and then we'll be back again on probably Tuesday next week to round out the MLB preview, um, talk about the College Basketball National Championship, and then it'll be NBA playoff time pretty much. But once again, appreciate everyone who tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon.